0: I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And I'm going to title this little intro to this teaching on the Holy Spirit as, What's up, Holy Spirit? (laughs) Spelled W-H-A-Z-U-P. That's almost speaking in tongues. It's spelling in tongues. How about that? What's up, Holy Spirit? We want to talk about Him. You know, we're living in the last days, so we need to see what is the responsibility of the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each one of them have a unique and distinct part and role to play, as do we. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, is one of my favorite scriptures, and it uh, got me some interesting looks when I attended a conference at Second Baptist Church and I was the odd man out at their little cafe called Second Helping. All these Baptist preachers sitting around and I came in, I was kind of almost to myself, much bunch of them sitting up there, I didn't really know anybody. and So uh, they were very polite and, and cordial and was asking me my name and what church I pastored, and they said, well, where's your church? And I said, well, what time is it? And they looked kind of funny then, and uh, they said, okay, what difference does that make? I said, well, you know, if it's, uh, you know, nine, you know, I said, there, some of them's at work, some of them will be at, you know, going to the store, and then some of them will be at various places. Our church uh, is the body of Christ. I said, nah, and so then I just kind of laughed it off. I said, we're located in Alvin, Texas, and they wanted to know what t- kind of church we were, and I told them that we were, a great church, and that we believed in, in the full uh, word of God, and of course they begin to kind of get the get the picture. And as some questions begin to to come, trying to to put me in a little box, you know, so we can get little name plates and get in boxes and stuff. Um, the question came up about the Holy Spirit, and they said, "So, what is your take?" on baptism by the Holy Spirit I said I believe in it I said uh, they said oh well, h- how do you believe in it and I said the same way you believe in it and they said well, okay uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and I said I'm, boy I thought this is a great great opportunity and so 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13 is what I quoted and uh, where it says for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. I said, so you believe, don't you, that when a person accepts Christ, that they are in Christ or become part of the body of Christ. They are immersed into the body of Christ. Isn't that correct? And they said, yes. I said, and how do they get there? Well, the Holy Spirit places them there. I said, exactly. He baptizes them or immerses them into the body of Christ by that. Uh, and I said, so I believe that just the same way that you believe that. I said, the only difference between me and you is that I believe that there's a difference in baptism and drinking. I said, I don't like to drink baptismal water, and I don't think that that's what it's referring to. And I said, so that's the main difference between us is not only do I believe that the Holy Spirit baptizes us, but I also believe that he's made us to drink and we need to drink from him and be filled with the spirit. When we go into a baptismal tank to be baptized, we fill the tank. Some people fill the tank more than others. But uh we fill the tank, but we don't want the water to fill us, right? You know, somebody else has been in there. We don't want to be in that have that water inside of us. There's a difference in drinking and being baptized, wouldn't you agree? So that's what a lot of people don't don't understand. So we got a chance to talk when they, I guess, stopped or, or didn't hold it against me before being, you know, a wise crack or something like that, but we were just having a lot of fun. I want us to talk about this tonight, because we need to understand who the, person, the Holy Spirit is. what is his role, what does he do? And I've taught this several different times, but it's good to, to be reminded. And Sunday morning was a perfect example of why we do need to be reminded. Uh, We had a pause in our worship service that the Holy Spirit was moving. I knew he was moving. In fact, when after a, a little pause, I knew that the Holy Spirit wanted to speak to us as a congregation. And I felt like that it was a word of exhortation to the body. And so when that kind of passed through, I thought, okay, I'm the pastor. I need to do something so that people won't think that there's... You know we'll kind of understand and the holy spirit said nope i want you to be quiet i go okay so waited and here we go again how many of you were here at sunday morning seemed like it went around again and uh it was probably a good what would you think three or four minutes at least Gabe. three minutes and that's a long time when nothing's going on but just just some music what happens is the holy spirit comes and he He inhabits the praise. Uh, Jesus, we know that God inhabits the praise of his people. And he's doing that through the Holy Spirit today. Uh, Not today today, but today in this, the world that we live in. And he comes, he inhabits the praise of his people. And uh, he will build God's throne in the midst of the, the body of Christ, the church, the local church, so that we can adore the son of the living God and exalt and and through worship uh, give worship and adoration to to Jesus the job of the Holy Spirit is to lead us guide us into all truth all truth and truth is manifested uh, reality or, or manifested presence and Jesus said I am the way I am the truth I am the life and, and the light and so he uh, the Holy Spirit is to guide us to Jesus in all forms and fashions. And so when he wants to do that, he comes upon the body of Christ and moves through the manifestation gifts or the gifts of the Spirit that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And those gifts are, are called the gifts of the Spirit, but sometimes that, there's so many different gifts that we get confused. And so more clearly, they are known as the manifestation gifts or the Greek word, the charismata, which means the appearings. So it's the appearings of Christ. If you uh, have grown up or you've been in services where that believe in in the infilling of the Holy Spirit and and His manifested presence in the assembly of people, and you've seen the gifts in operation, then you know what that is. It's the appearings, and all of those gifts that are found in First Corinthians chapter twelve are the abilities of Christ. It's what Christ did. It's it's uh, a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, uh, discerning of spirits, uh, miracles, healing, and uh, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, faith. That, you know, those are all abilities of Christ. And so he comes and he distributes them throughout the, the congregation, those that are present, as he wills, as he needs to, to do whatever he needs to do to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in that service. And I felt like Sunday morning was a time when God wanted to speak a word of exhortation to us in more of, uh, not so much through a tongues and interpretation, but, but more in a prophetic particular way and a word that would come, and it would come in a way of, of exhorting. And um, so when the Holy Spirit moves upon a person, he selects someone and he decides to move through them. Then here's what happens. That person is saying, what is that? Is that God? Is that me? I think that's just me, you know, and, and we're worship because we're worshiping. So we, we may be I'm a visual person. So a lot of times I see God shows me something, a picture. When, anytime that you're speaking for him, it's, um, it is a, tr- it's a translation of what he's saying, especially when it's, a, there's a, a message in tongues that, that comes forth. It says then the, the interpretation comes. So it's, Your interpretation. I could give an interpretation. You know, a situation might happen here. Let's say right here, and so you know, me and Mike uh, would stand up, and I'd give my interpretation of it. Mike would give his interpretation of it. Van could give his interpretation of it. He's on that that particular angle, that side of it, and it'd all be the same thing basically. But it would be said in each one of our ways of interpreting it. Well, so when the Holy Spirit selects someone to use. Uh, in a particular manifestation gift, that person then has the choice of yielding or not to yield, right? Because he never forces himself. He guides us. So he selects, he guides, he draws, he, he woos us, if you will. And so then we have to discern whether or not that's God or that's us. And being conservative as we are and not wanting to do something on our own and grieve the Holy Spirit, or, uh, let's see, we grieve the Holy Spirit, and we also, what else? Just slipped my mind. There's two things you can do against the Holy Spirit. One is grieve Him, and... um, well, it'll come to me. But anyway, so we, we're very cautious then about just throwing something out there. We want to make sure that it's, it's God and not just us. So that's what happens. That's why that pause came because that person was trying to decide, is that me or is that the Holy Spirit? And so evidently they thought, well, that's just me. Or if they did think it was Holy Spirit, it was like, oh, but I don't want to say anything because they'll be looking at me and or what I don't know I don't really know exactly what all to say I don't know everything I just kind of feel like it I don't know really what to say I just kind of feel like I'm supposed to say something and sometimes that's it maybe you don't really get a whole lot you just feel that he says just step into the water <laughs> you know and, and you hope that it you know and you so you have to trust him he doesn't really tell you everything sometimes you get you know get a whole thing and sometimes it's just it just the nudge that says okay step right up tell us about it you know step on out and so um, if that person then decides not to, then the Holy Spirit will go to someone else and move upon them and to invite them and to draw them to do that. If they refuse, then he goes to somebody else. He's trying till finally he says, okay, that's it. And so um, I was praying real hard. I knew what was going on. I am thinking, okay, Lord, we'll, may, do I need to give an explanation? to?" No. You don't need to say anything. In fact, I didn't say anything until the very end of the service. But that's what was going on through there. And he was working with different ones. And then at the close of the service, I said, did anybody feel like that the Lord was moving upon you? And we had about three or four people raise their hand. So that just figured in about the, the time frame. Uh, is there a chastening because of not being obedient? No. It's just it's a learning, that something that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Now, you might have heard that Speaking in tongues is the evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Have you heard that before? That the evidence uh, of being filled with the Spirit is speaking in tongues. Now, why would that be? Why does it have to be that gift? In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks unto God. And uh, Paul said at one time, he said, I speak with the tongues of men and I speak with the tongues of angels. So that we know that speaking in tongues, the language of tongues, can be an actual foreign language that's known to man to some people, or it can be uh, the language of angels, that's a heavenly language. But nonetheless, it's something that's, that's given to us and we speak it out, and not necessarily knowing exactly what you're saying. Because Paul gives uh, encouragement, and we'll talk about these things in detail as we look at these gifts, but just to kind of lay some groundwork out here. Paul said that if uh, someone speaks in, an unknown tongue. Let them pray for the interpretation, because without the interpretation, a tongue is just—it's nobody understands it. That's why a lot of denominations, and I'll say the Baptists, for instance, is why they have a hard time with it, because they say that you know that it's not necessary. Because it says Cover earnestly the best gifts, and nobody understands what you're saying if you speak in tongues. And so, but what Paul is saying is it's equivalent tongues and interpretation is equivalent to prophecy. But the difference in prophecy is God speaking through man to man, and tongues is, is man speaking to God through the Holy Spirit. And that's why tongues is given. Now, I've been in services where people are praying for someone and they'll speak in tongues and then they'll say, thus saith the Lord, and they'll prophesy over them. And that in itself, if you're looking at it and analyzing it, that's not a correct procedure. But yet, what could have happened was, and because I've done this before in Romans 8, 26, it says, when you don't know what to pray. And in fact, he goes, Paul says it first. He says, the, the Spirit helps us in our infirmity, in the King James, or translated in our weakness. He says, we don't know what to pray. Our weakness is that we don't know what to pray a lot of times most of the time. But the Holy Spirit helps us in that weakness in that he prays through us because God knows, the or the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God and he knows how to pray and he knows what our need is and so he knows what we need to pray and ask God for even though when we don't know what we need to ask for. And so if someone came forward and they were asking, needing prayer and I really didn't know what the, the total need is, they might have some symptoms and they might say they felt such and such Way and they need healing but maybe they didn't know completely and so we want to know completely so we can target in so i would pray in the spirit asking the holy spirit to to know the mind of god and god would know exactly what the situation is correct and so then i would pray for the interpretation of that so that i could add my agreement because power or prayer gets its power from agreeing here on earth so You know whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven so the Holy Spirit can uh, can pray through us and then there needs to be an interpretation of that so that we can add our agreement to it so that we who have been get delegated power and authority here on earth can make it accomplished can accomplish it if not the devil says Oh, that's not, that's you're out of bounds, God. You can't do that. You know, they have to pray it. They have to initiate it. And we do. We are the ones that are responsible for initiating it now because we've been delegated the authority. So we just need to yield to the Holy Spirit and pray through him and then understand what he's praying, either if no one interprets that or translates it, or as Paul said, he said, I pray in the Spirit and I pray with the understanding. Because a lot of times it's not just in a, open setting for everyone to hear he also gives you a prayer language and he said I pray in the spirit and I pray with understanding as soon as we get the understanding then we know how to pray now sometimes if you're praying for a lot of different people when you get that understanding maybe the Lord then wants to say something to that person and prepare them set them up for a miracle and so there will be also a word of prophecy that might come or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom that will come before the prayer uh, so that they'll they'll they be ready to expect. Maybe it'll build their faith up. It could be after the prayer. There might be something like that. But so sometimes I think that we have thought that since the person who was going to pray for that individual, they spoke in tongues first, and then the next thing you hear is a prophecy. That that they confused. Uh, they they've confused the the uh, the thinking or the operation of the gifts. That before anything can be said in English, something has to be said in tongues, and that's not correct. You know. Um, we go through these cycles and we're just, we're very limited and we're just like kids and we just, you know, we learn from what we see and we get to thinking, okay, well, you know, if before anything can be said in English, it just has to be said in, tongue, in the spirit and that makes it spiritual. Well, it doesn't really, I mean, that is spiritual, but it doesn't have, to, for a prophecy or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, uh, it, you don't have to speak in tongues first, you know, because that's, the others are God speaking through man to man. It's only when we speak to God through the Holy Spirit that we need to speak in tongues. Now, again, let me, while we're on this, let's just clarify this. Why, then, do we speak in tongues? It said, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks to God. Well, then, if I'm speaking to God, why does there need to be an interpretation? If it's done in a congregation where there's a whole bunch of people around, and it's not in a private prayer life, your prayer, prayer language, then if a message in tongues goes forth, wait a minute, we're all in, it's out there now, we're all engaged in this. So everybody needs to understand. And also, since it's, if it's done in a congregational setting, that means that God then is prompting that prayer, praise, or thanksgiving so that the body can add their agreement for it. Because one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. So it would come forth in a prayer. Sometimes it's, a, it's magnifying the Lord. You know, uh, the, interp- the translation, the interpretation of that tongue that, that goes forth is it might be in a magnification of God. Well, what good would that be? It would build our faith, right? So that for, for what God's gonna do next, it, it might be a thanksgiving. Uh, Unto him and it might be an exhortation. It can even be pray the word. It can you know how in our prayer life We pray the word Well, sometimes we pray the word. I mean we pray the word back to God, right? And and so what we're doing is we know that his word is true And so that way we know we're on target when we pray his word back to him But then if it's done in the setting of the congregation and that word comes and first it comes in this Uh, heavenly language this uh, message in tongues then there needs to be a translation or interpretation of it so everyone then can can be in agreement with that and then everyone come along and pray that and be strengthened and encouraged and be ready for what God's going to do or or see that thing that that part of the the word that's being prayed be manifested accomplished that's still pretty general that's a big generalization of it Yeah, if uh, if there's no interpretation, then it could be either somebody's off track. And it says now if, if it goes, let's say you give a message in tongues, the Bible says then that, that you're to pray for the interpretation. And so if the interpretation doesn't come, then it comes back to you. It's kind of like in dominoes in moon. <laughs> if you shuffle, you get if nobody, if everybody passes, it's back to you. You gotta take it. <laughs> I know that sounds like a really crude analogy for them, but you know, hey, we've got to do what we've got to do to make it understandable. Oh, there's always going to be an interpretation. There, if, it, if there's no interpretation, then it's not of God. There's actually two different settings. There's a private setting. Well, I thought if everybody understands speaking in tongues, and they all speak in tongues, there's not necessarily a need to have an interpretation. Exactly. When we're worshiping God, and, and let's say there's it's a time of right, let's say it's a time of, of praise and worship, and we are worshiping God and, and we're worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. So if we're worshiping Him in spirit, then Paul said, we'd sing in the spirit. And, and you know, he talks about different ways. That, and he said, you know I talking in the spirit, uh, pray in the spirit, sing in the spirit. So if we might be singing in the spirit, What are we doing? We're unto Him. We're singing praises unto God, and so there's no need for that. There's everybody may be doing it. Sometimes there's it's important. We might say, let's just pray in the Spirit, and so that as we're all praying in the Spirit, God then uh, the Holy Spirit then is taking what is necessary, even individually or collectively, down inside of you what you need, the needs that you that that you really need and praying those to god or thanksgiving or an exhortation that edifies us because it talks about that he that speaks in tongues edifies himself it's a building up it's an edification it's it's an encouragement then to us because the holy spirit's moving through it you can't allow that you can't have the holy spirit move through you and not be encouraged not be edified built up and so that happens through our times of worship and uh, there's no need for then a everybody get quiet and an interpretation of that. No, as you're doing it, you might do as Paul said I pray in the spirit and I pray with the understanding. I sing in the spirit. Well, then we might sing with understanding, especially if you're a psalmist and God will give you a song, you know, and write it down. And, you know, things are, song, many songs are written in the midst of worship right at that particular time. So there is a, an individual, a, a private, I hate to say private because then you think if even in a corporate setting that when we're all worshiping, you might, well, that's private. I can't worship the Lord in the spirit, in tongues. No, you can. So it's it's your personal prayer language unto God. And then there's a corporate time of when God wants to incorporate the entire body for the entire body then to add their agreement and understanding to it and expectation for that. Is that making sense? Okay, any questions on that before we move on? Okay, so as we pause to edit, now <laughs> in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, For we were all, everybody say all, we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. If I give you a glass of water, Mike, You can choose then to drink it or not drink it. Is that correct? You might say, I'm not thirsty. I don't want to drink water. I want tea. All right, you know, uh, I want some lemon juice. Lemonade, (laughs) not lemon juice. You know, you can choose. (laughs) Some people look like they've been drinking. (laughs) But uh, so you can choose. But now it says we've all been baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ. That means we have been immersed. What does baptism mean? What is it? It's an outward expression of an inward work first of all and what it's saying is is that we died with Christ so it's the doctrine of identification we are identifying with Christ in his death burial and resurrection we are identifying with him and because we identify with him then that means that we get to raise up in a newness of life Romans chapter 6 verse 4 since we were buried with him and, and then like him in his resurrection, we also are to rise up and walk in a new life, newness of life. And so that's what we're saying publicly is I believe that when Christ died, I, my flesh, my, I, I died with him. And, but he didn't state it. Just as he rose and conquered death, hell, and the grave and rose victorious... I'm going to rise up in a newness of life, conquering my flesh and everything that Satan throws at me, conquering that to walk in a, new, a newness of life, walk in an overcoming life. So we are identifying with him. So being baptized by one spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Who's doing the baptism, Baptizing. The Holy Spirit is baptizing the believing sinner, be, now into the body of Christ, and that's how we get into the body of Christ. That's how we are members into one body. That's why the Baptists take it that to be a member of the Baptist denomination, you must be baptized, and they accept that then as, a mem- as membership. It's, it's a picture of that's how you, you become part of it. Now, I want you to note that this scripture is talking about being baptized by the holy spirit there you're going to see in another place when jesus was talking about where we will be baptized in the holy spirit now let's say i'm the baptizer we're having a baptismal service and i'm going to baptize danny okay so i'm the baptizer he's the baptizee and we are the element that we are using is water okay so, in this scripture in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it says, For we were all baptized by one Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit is the baptizer. We, or the believing sinner, is the baptizee. It's, and then into one body. So, the body of Christ is the element that we are placed into. So, in a minute, we're going to see that if we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, then that means that. There has to be someone that immerses us in in the element that we're going into is in the Holy Spirit. It's different, okay? And there is a difference. And if if you've been there, you know there's a difference. In fact, let's look at John's Gospel, chapter 14. Let's read it. I'm going to read four scriptures here. John 14, then we'll look at Luke 24, and then... Acts 1 and then Acts 2. So in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, like what we were saying a while ago, that there's there's a need for us to have this power that's far greater than us because we've got a tremendous task in front of us, and that's to do greater things than Jesus did. It's beyond our natural ability to be able to do those things. So he said, I'm going to the the Father, and uh, uh, he said... That, that you're going to do greater things. We're going to do greater things in him. He said, I'm going to the Father. And he says, and I will do whatever you ask for in my name. And so then verse 15, it says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Everybody say forever. The spirit of truth. Now, I know that there's that's a different verse, verse 17 there, but it's really... When he was writing it out, there weren't numbers there, so it all flows together. It's, It's just emphasized there. It says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor or comforter to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, He's talking to believers, so he says, you know him because uh, he lives with you. So when he baptized us into the body of Christ, when he placed us into the body of Christ, he's with us, he lives with us. And so we're in the body of Christ, in him we live and move and have our being. So we know that the Holy Spirit has sealed us. We know that that that's where a person's heart, uh, their soul is being convicted when the word of God is preached. And the Holy Spirit does His job, that that outward work of the Holy Spirit where we are drawn then to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. And so we know Him because He lives with us. And even denominations that don't believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the the gift of speaking in tongues and, and the manifestation gifts, they know Him because they live with Him. Right? So it says... But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And so, now, we know that the Spirit of Christ dwells in us, and he does that through the Holy Spirit as well, but we're seeing that there's some, there's some differences here. Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus makes this statement. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high, endued clothed, vested. You know, it's like put, put on, vested. In fact, it's really the same word when we're, when we're told to put on the armor of God, be clothed, be vested with the armor of God. Praise God. And you know, the Holy Spirit is the one that does that. So he says that we're to stay in the city until we are clothed, endued with power from on high. So we know that there's power that comes also from the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter one, verse five, Jesus, or this, this statement says, for uh, John, Jesus making this statement says, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And drawing the parallel, John baptized with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Using the, changing the, the, the emphasis there from what we read in 1 Corinthians where we were baptized by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit immersed us into the body, Jesus is saying, well, wait a minute, I, you're going to be baptized from, from God uh, with or into with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, not with water, but with the Holy Spirit. And uh, so let me, let's read this through verse 8. Acts chapter 1 again, verse 5, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse 8, but, and now this is important because we're, we're in this time, in this season of end times, and when... We know that the day is approaching, but we don't know exactly when. And so we don't know those things. We don't know the times or the dates that the Father set uh, because that's that's His authority. But then we can apply this verse 8 here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So... This really explains our role in the last days in relationship to the Holy Spirit. We are to receive from Him. We are to be baptized with the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for God in this end time revival that's coming uh, and to, to get with it. We need every day, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day. That's one of the first, first things that we need to do. Now, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's not by any works that you do, and that is a one-time deal. That's like you are born again, and you're on, you're born once, right? You die. If you're born once, you die twice. If you're born twice, you die once. So we're birthed. So now we have a relationship with God the Father in that we're His child, we're His children. We've been placed into the body of Christ. Okay, but now. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is like taking a drink of water. Remember, we've been made to drink. So you can take a drink of water, and then an hour and a half or two hours later, you might be thirsty again to take another drink of water, and you need to keep yourself hydrated. If you don't hydrate yourself, you can do weird things. You can be loopy. Uh, Sandy was really dehydrated this past summer, and she had was on some blood pressure medicine which acted as a diuretic and some various other things and it just she and i'm talking to her and nobody's home she's just like and then pretty soon just boom and we had to call the ambulance they had to haul her out i think charlie had an experience with uh dehydration in fact when you had we're going to preach we were out of town and it just uh as listening to you guys talk about that it's like you don't know what's happened you don't know It's just because you're not thinking. You know, if you apply that in the spiritual realm, if we're dehydrated Christians, we don't think right, we can't act right, we can't function, we can't do anything. We are loopy. (laughs) And so we need to be filled with the Spirit. We really do. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1, now let's read the first four verses of Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost came, Big difference. Now this was this was different because it was the birthing of the church, and uh, and I think that's some of the things with the cloven tongues of fire and various things like that. It was a it was a birthing. It was a an open a baptizing, immersing them into the to this new thing, this church. But also, though it specifically says, and they were all filled with the the Holy Spirit, and that's a difference. When rather than the baptistry, the water being filled with you. Uh, you know, you now are filled with with this element of the Holy Spirit. Now, I said a while ago, why do you think that tongues is the sign to evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit? This is my thought on that. How many of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit and spoken in unknown tongues? Okay, you know when that happens that you don't really know that language. You know, you, you don't really know it. And if you were... Remember, recall, maybe the first time or the first few times, you might hear a sound or a syllable, and you're wondering, okay, well, I probably heard Brent saying that. That's why it's in my head. It's like those tunes that you hear, and they just stay with you all the time. And So he was probably saying that, and that's what I thought. You know, How do children learn to talk? <laughs> they hear stuff, and some of it's the same thing. And even that, right at first, they even have a hard time pronouncing it. We have some, uh, you know, sometimes it's been a little while since we've experienced that. I have to look back a ways from having little ones around speaking, but you're first hand at this. And, and so those words come few, but if they learn one word, boy, sometimes they can drive you nuts for that one word, right? You ever have young Christians that got filled with the Holy Spirit just driving nuts with that one word? <laughs> Are those t- two or three words? Okay. I'll be glad when your vocabulary increases, (laughs) you know, but uh, so it's a, it's just like that. I mean, it's a language and we hear it. And so we're thinking, are we conscious? Are we conscious when we speak that out? My testimony is this. Of course, I grew up in this thing when I was young, uh, my parents went to a Bible school, Bible college in Topeka, Kansas. And so for four years, we lived on that campground. And so when camp meetings would come, we were there. And, and so, you know, from the time I was two years old until, you know, six or seven was there. I, you know, I've been around it, and so I'd see people. And I remember they had sawdust floors back in those days. It was pretty interesting. But um, really, I think the first time I was really filled with the Holy Spirit was when I was 12 and at a Baptist youth camp. And we had gone in the upper room, interestingly enough, to pray and to really see God. And our hearts were such that we were really earnestly wanting something more from God. And so was that young Baptist preacher. And boy, was he shocked. <laughs> you know, when it happened afterwards, I thought, wow. Because I, I remember back, I thought, I knew what it was. In fact, I think everybody knew what it was, but we just didn't, in a way, we didn't, we were just kind of stunned after a while and uh, so I you know I never forgot that but my family wasn't in church to the time that I was from the time I was about seven years old till I was about 17 years old I was out you know and, and I'd maybe go with a friend to church or something like that but I had been around it and I knew and uh, got saved when I was a child six years old in Topeka Kansas and so I knew God and, I, and my, of course my mom you know Uh, it was a Sunday school class, it was just me and her, (laughs) she taught me, but I remember going to a camp in Topeka, Kansas at around 16, when, that, where I met my darling wife, Sandra Sue, (laughs) and uh, there was an altar call, and there was, you know, for those that wanted to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and I thought, well, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but, you know, and then they said, well, you know, but you need to be refilled, and, you know, you, how that you deplete your, yourself with the holy spirit various things like that so i went down and so i kept waiting because i couldn't i was trying to think okay now i know when i was 12 i don't know what happened but i really didn't know how how i got there but somehow i got there and and it was really cool so i was in my mind i was trying to think okay so get ready for this because something's going to happen and you're going to lose consciousness. And, you know, and then it's going to be this, you know, uh, it could be this violent wind even rush through here. And, and and then after a while, you'll wake up and they'll say, wow, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'd go, oh, cool. And uh, it didn't happen that way. I was there and I was praying and I was thinking about how bad my knees were hurt, my legs were hurting and cramping and my toes being bent, so I tried to straighten my toes out. You know, if you've ever knelt at an altar long enough, you know, until he's like, you're like, oh, and I got to do this and this. Like, I mean, if you've been there and you're tearing for the Holy Spirit... <laughs> You know, and so it's like your mind, or then, or I hear somebody else, and, and then people that are praying for you, they have interesting ways of praying for you. It's like, just let it go, let it go. And somebody over here saying, hold on, hold on, and let go, let go, <laughs> wait a minute, you know, so that's distracting, you know, and it's, and it's like, you know, uh. Or somebody will help try to prime the pump, you know, like, you know, just say, shot a pecan down. Just think you're seeing this big pecan tree, and there's a pecan way up there, and you want it, and the only way you can get it is just to shoot it down. So you got to shot a pecan down. Just say, shot a pecan down. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> you don't have to prime the pump, you know? <laughs> or, you know, who tied my bow tie? Or Medicine, dice, and ice, you know, M E D I C I N E D I C E I C E, woo! You know, I mean, there's some weird stuff that people think they can prime the pump, and that wasn't working for me. Man, I'm just like, oh, Lord, I'm a lost cause. I guess, <laughs> I guess that one shot thing was it, you know. <laughs> And, I, I mean, it had to be two or three hours. I was actually praying, Lord, fill me for their sake. Fill me with the Holy Spirit for their sake. They're working so hard, you know. Just, and, man, I mean, worked up a sweat and everything and just walked away. I thought, man. And so next night, boy, here I am. I'm down there again. Here we go. Hold on. Turn loose. Open your mouth. You know, oh, whatever, you know, all this stuff. And nothing happened. Nothing happened and so I think it was getting close to the end of camp meeting and I'll never forget brother Tommy Scott he said what are you doing and I said well I'm just trying to be filled with the Holy Spirit he says you don't try to be (laughs) he said you just need need to be just receive it it's a gift it's a gift just he said it's like you don't try to be saved you just receive Jesus he said so are you ready to receive the Holy Spirit yes sir (laughs) And so he said, well, let me read. And he turned to Acts 19, and that's the story of where Paul went to Ephesus. And so when he saw the believers there, he said, uh, you you know, he knew they were believers. And he says, oh, that's great. He said, well, um," he said, you know, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they go, oh, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Ding! First of all, for those that think that you get all that the Holy Spirit has for you at salvation... There's a scripture right there that proves that you don't. Salvation and being filled with the Spirit are two separate things. Now they can be at the exact same time, and that's what we should do. We need to. We really need to pray for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit at the instant when they're saved. the next thing is, uh, when they're saved, next thing is that, that they be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he says anyway. So he starts reading uh, that scripture, and and then Paul was concerned. Then you know what baptism, you know, kind of trying to fill out where they were doctrinally. But so it said that, it came to that part, and it said that uh, Paul prayed for them. It says, Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues. He said, so he said now, and he was standing there with the Bible, and and everybody was, well, the crowd was around like sharks, ready, you know, (laughs) To get me, to help me to get filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to—they're going to get me. It wasn't going to be a, a notch in their belt. So, but he's taking time, and he reads that, and he says, "So who spoke in tongues?" He said, "Who did the speaking?" I said, "The Holy Spirit." He goes, well, "Let's read this again." He said, "Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues. Who spoke? Who did the speaking?" And I said, "The Holy Spirit." He said, "Let's read it again." <laughs> Are y'all have y'all got it by now? Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues. Finally, I, I got. It. Well, they spoke in tongues. I said, "But it was the Holy Spirit speaking through me." He says, "Wait a minute. They spoke with tongues." And he says, "What are you waiting on?" <laughs> I'm like, going, "I don't know," and I'm afraid somebody's going to grab me or something, you know? And, and he said, "What are you waiting on?" I said, "I'm waiting on Him to speak through me." He says, "He said, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be obedient." To the, to the Word of God. I'm going to lay hands on you. He says, we're going to lay hands on you. And I don't want to see who it was. <laughs> we're going to lay hands on you. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to speak in tongues. And I'm thinking, well, that'll be me. That'll be me doing it. And so, and that's what I told him. And he says, no, you're, you're going to hear sounds or syllables, but he says, you have to surrender your will. And trust that that's the Holy Spirit wanting to speak to you because He will not impose Himself upon you. And I go, wow. So they laid hands on me. The Holy Spirit came upon me and I began to speak in tongues like this. I was telling really sure. Didn't say how loud I had to talk. And I was like, but boy, it began to change. As I began to speak those sounds and syllables that I heard in my, which was then I, and still, you know, I'm like, maybe i think i've probably heard and it's like the battle is going on in your brain in your mind it's like is that really the holy spirit or is that me and i'm thinking you know i've probably heard that and it's like and he'd be right there stop thinking stop thinking you're thinking it you're thinking way too much on this thing because he can see me struggling Boy, by now I'm crying because <laughs> I'm really, you know, I don't know what to do. And I, and I could tell the Holy Spirit was on me, you know. And, and he says, you're, you're, working, you're, you're working too hard. He said, just speak it. Just speak out those sounds and syllables that you hear. Whether you understand them or not, you speak it because that's what I'm saying. I don't understand what this is. You don't have to understand. As I begin to speak in tongues, then it began to roll. And that scripture where it says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then, I mean, it was like a river. I couldn't shut it off. Oh, my goodness. I think there might have even been some dancing involved, but I wouldn't admit to it. And uh, (laughs) I'll admit to it. Man, I mean, I don't know what happened from then, but we had, I had church. And so that really, being an analytical thinker the way that I am, what I realized is I have to consciously Recognize when the Holy Spirit is coming upon me and then yield my conscious mind and myself to the Holy Spirit for Him to do whatever He wants to do. Because there will be times that you will feel the Holy Spirit coming upon you and He wants to speak through you but He wants to say things that you do understand. Like a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, an interpretation of tongues. Or where He says you know, go lay hands on that person because they're sick. So, see, tongues is a perfect way to evidence the infilling of the Holy Spirit because we got to learn how to get away from our stupid mind, this thinking that we have here, and be able to shut that off and get out of our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, and step into our spirit and allow the Spirit of God to flow through our spirit, and we connect Him, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth, and allowing the Holy Spirit to flow through Then. And whether if he wants to speak through us, then a word that we can. But see, then I, when I began to speak, I was speaking in an unknown tongue to God, and then God was hearing that and and blessing. And I, I tell you, it, the the hardest thing though was just to get myself out of the way. And sometimes we think, well, well, I'm just doing that. No, you initiate it. So it's like, well, so do you think you could just speak in tongues anytime you want? Yes. I can willfully pray. He tells us to pray without ceasing. How in the world are you going to pray without ceasing unless you can do it in the Spirit? There's no way you can pray without ceasing in your physical body. We decide to yield ourselves, consciously yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and pray in the Spirit. I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds like that that just can't be. But you think he's always present with us? Until the ends of the age. He is. He's here right now. And if we just simply then turn to that and pray in the Spirit, we begin to just say, okay, I don't know what to pray for, as Paul said, but I will pray in my spirit. My mind doesn't understand it, but my spirit then knows what to pray, and the Holy Spirit through me knows the mind of God, and he prays through me. So I pray in the Spirit, as Paul said, and I pray with it for the understanding. I pray with the understanding as well. So when I pray in the Spirit, I'm asking God and This part of me over here is saying, okay, Lord, I'm ready for you to show me what I'm praying or whatever, and so it it just goes. And then sometimes the Lord will just give me like a a picture or I'll say a vision or something like that because I'm a visual person. To other people, it might be different. I'm not saying it has to be that way for everyone, but then out of that, I understand things. I discern things. I, I know things that I couldn't know unless the Holy Spirit showed them to me. I understand things that I couldn't understand unless the Holy Spirit, you know, showed those things to me, and so that's what we need to do, you know, and you can, when you're following then the the manifestation gifts of the Spirit, that's what we need to know how to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to move through us, and the best way for us to learn, just as a child learns, is simply just being able to. Turn that off, that switch, if you will, and allow the Holy Spirit then to work through us. And then we pray in the Spirit, allowing Him to pray through us. The same, so we're surrendering ourselves, our understanding, our concept of all that. We're surrendering to Him so that in turn, in the other gifts, we're the same way. Doesn't it need to be all God and none of us? You know, but a lot of times it will be some of us. I remember old Kenneth Hagin, Sr., uh, he said, you know, somebody was asking him some questions. He said, well, he said, you know, sometimes it's 90% God and 10% man. Sometimes it's 10% God and 90% man, <laughs> you know, and that's true. So we have to, then we need to ju- discern. And that's why that when the gift of tongues is used as a, as a gift, a gift of tongues in the congregation... That it needs to be there so that people judge it and discern it, and the interpretation is given so we can all add our agreement to it. Well, we're out of time. Time does fly. And I didn't uh, get to page two, but we read those scriptures. And So any questions, comments, or, or thoughts? Yes, sir. I just remember, you know, I was raised as a real heathen. I wasn't Yeah. there's a depth. depth yeah it, it flowed like a river to me, and it was from him through me to him, and it was just a, something i could not do right without like paul said I, I speak with tongues of men and of angels i mean there's some of those words that there's no way that we could just say what right you was sense going it black, but my was going, uh-huh. yes that's right it, really opens up your paradigm. it does it it's, it, it And that's why it's really important, I think, to learn, uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit because of our prayer life. Because that's where we exercise dominion and authority is through our prayer and through binding and loosing. And so it's so important And the days and hours that we're living in, there's so much that, that we have to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. You got a lot to, to talk about as far as the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Some things that you've heard before, some things we need to be refreshed on, but some things I believe that's new and some things that are pertinent for us today. Some things for our church and some things for just the day and hour that we're living in. So we're going to take the next couple of Wednesday nights and, and talk about this. And if you have questions, jot them down.